is always an honor for me to get to share the word with you guys. I have just been loving this series that we have been in. Haven't you guys been enjoying just, just hearing the wisdom that comes from James? There's so much that we can glean from this book. And, and we're, we've been spending four weeks on this book, but honestly, I think there's so much wisdom in it. We could have spent four months if we wanted to. And, and I don't know about you, but uh, Pastor Sean, he's kind of been like stepping on my toes, like a little bit. The past few weeks, I, I've felt like there's a little bit of like bulldog coming out of him maybe. And so, but I know, we all know that Pastor Sean is just too nice and too sweet to do any of that on purpose. And so we're just going to blame it on James, okay? We're just going to blame it on James. And so today, if I happen to step on any toes or anything like that today, it's not me. Just blame it on James. You see, James has always been one of my favorite books of the Bible. And I think it's just because I'm the type of person who likes things just straight up right? Like don't tiptoe through the tulips with me. Just give me the truth without the fluff. Like let's get down to business, right? Like that, that's just my personality. And, and so I think that's what I love about James's writing. And he just gets straight to the heart of the matter. And we know that in James, he's, he's writing to these believers who have been scattered abroad and, and, and they've been being persecuted and they've had to scatter um, throughout the land. And, and I think that James understood that as the people are walking through these really difficult times of persecution and, and of being displaced and struggling to continue the multiplication of the church, I think James knew that these people didn't need to be coddled in this moment, right? That they didn't need to be babied. No, they needed to be coached. They needed to be challenged. Now, how many of you understand that there are seasons in life when you need to be nurtured and you need to be sheltered and, and, and you kind of need those, those gentle pats on the back. But then there are other seasons in your life where you need a coach. You need a coach who's going to get up in your face and, and kind of get in your business a little bit and just tell you what's up. Somebody who will love you, but who isn't afraid to bring you that wisdom and that truth. Now, at our house, we call it the hammer and the hug. The hammer and the hug, okay? So, see, sometimes you need a hug, you know, you need a little nurturing, you need a little pat on the back, you need some, you know, softness. But sometimes you just need the hammer. You just need the hammer. You need the truth. You need the coaching. And, and I'm just going to let you guys leave it up to your own imaginations. You decide who is usually the hammer and who's usually the hug in our house, I, I won't, I'll, I'll just let, I'll leave that there, okay? So you see, James understood that if this scattered church was going to survive these difficult times, he needed to bring a strong message of wisdom. He needed to remind them how to act and how to live, and he just needed some straight-up wisdom from God without all the fluff, so for the last few weeks, we've, we've talked and we've walked through the book of James and we've pointed out that there is wisdom in having joy in our trials. It's not easy, but it's wise. We've learned that there is wisdom in walking in obedience to the Lord. It's wise. It's not easy, but it's wise. And last week we heard that there is wisdom in being a peacemaker. Not a peacekeeper, 
but a peacemaker. And so this week, we are going to see how James tells us that there is wisdom in prayer. There is wisdom in prayer. Now, now James was not the kind of guy that was going to command us to do something that he wasn't actually doing himself. You see, studies show that James was actually known as James the Just. James the Just. And he was known by this because of his righteous lifestyle and his devotion to prayer. An ancient historian named Eusebius has actually said that James spent so much time kneeling in prayer that his knees grew hard and calloused like a camel's. Some people in those days actually even referred to him as camel knees. Wow. What a nickname, right? Camel knees. How many of you would like to be called camel knees? Now, husbands, do not try that with your wives, okay? Like, I don't think that that's the kind of nickname that they're looking for. But, but just like a laborer's hands, like they have calluses and they're blistered and, and they testify to their occupation. Or maybe a runner's feet, how they are, are hard and callous and even bleeding as they testify to, to their intense training. James's callous knees, they testify to a life of serious prayer. So I think that we ought to listen to what James says, not only because he is Jesus's earthly brother, which is kind of cool, and I'd like to talk to him just about that. But I also think that we need to listen to James because he walked his talk on his knees. He didn't just tell us to pray. He prayed. You see, James knew the importance of prayer. Our core verse for this series that we've um, went over every week so far, it clearly points out that James believes in prayer. It's James 1.5 and it says this, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. Right there at the very beginning of James's letter, he's telling the people, he's inviting them to pray and ask God for wisdom in the midst of their trials. And then later on, as he concludes this letter, he once again brings the people back to the importance and the wisdom of prayer. And that's where we're going to end up today. The passage we're going to focus on is James 5, verses 13 and 15. You can look it up and read along with us. It's probably on the screens as well. And it says this, are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praise. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. You see, in these verses, I think James tells us it is wise to pray during these times. Number one, it's wise to pray when we are suffering. When we are suffering, James 5.13 says, when you are suffering, pray. In the NIV translation, it says, are you in trouble? Pray. How many of you think that when we're suffering or when we are in trouble, that'd be a really good time to pray? Now, now, if you look at this scripture, you see that this isn't a suggestion. The language that James uses here is, is a command. It's really strong. And I believe he uses that strong language because so many times when we are suffering and when we are in trouble, prayer is not our first response. 
Prayer is not our first response. You know, many times instead of praying, we just go and we, we try to fix it on our own. We try to figure out the situation and make things happen apart from God. So many times when we're suffering, instead of praying, we worry. We wring our hands and, or, or maybe we complain. Maybe we even get angry with God and the people around us. How many times when we're suffering do we get depressed or we seek revenge? You see, all of these things are wrong responses. James tells us when we're suffering, pray. When you're suffering, pray. The word pray that's used here is not a one-time command. It's actually an action word that requires continual action. So what James is telling us is he's saying, when you're suffering, pray, and then continue to pray, and pray some more, and pray some more, and continue to pray. I believe sometimes the act of prayer is as vital as the answer to the prayer. I'm going to say that again. Sometimes the act of prayer is as vital as the answer to prayer. Because the act of prayer, it represents surrender. It shows that you are trusting God in the suffering. You know, prayer doesn't always yield the answer that we want. But if we trust God, we know that it will yield the answer that we need. I know it's hard to swallow and it's not always easy to accept, but, but if we trust God, we have to believe that. You see, there are two responses that God gives when we pray to him in times of suffering. Two responses. Number one, he will bring you out of it. If you pray to God when you are suffering, sometimes God responds and he will bring you out of it. Those are some good times. I love it when that happens. But there's another response that God gives when we pray to him in times and suffering, and that's number two, he will bring you through it. He will bring you through it. Man, don't you wish we got to choose which answer? I'm like, God, is this like multiple choice? A, B, I choose A. Like, I want you to just come and pluck me out of this suffering. Like, that sounds good to me, God. We're on the same wavelength. Okay, good. Let's do it. But unfortunately, it's not a multiple choice and we don't get to choose and that's not the way it works. I'm reminded of a prayer that Paul prayed in the Bible at a time when he was suffering. You see, Paul had what was called a thorn in the flesh. And, and the Bible doesn't specify what it was, although some people speculate it was some sort of sickness or disease. Um, others think it might have been a, a, a sin or a temptation. And honestly, we really just don't know for sure um, what it was, but we know that it was something that was causing suffering in Paul's life. And the scripture says that Paul prayed repeatedly for God to take it away. In 2 Corinthians 12, 8 and 9, Paul says, Three times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. Paul got it. He understood. Sometimes... When we pray, when we're suffering, God, 
brings us out, but sometimes God brings us through. And you see, while we believe that prayer has the power to take away our pain, many times prayer doesn't take it away, it actually transforms it. And it transforms us in the process. It transforms us in the process. When God brings us through the suffering, we are transformed. So James tells us it's wise, number one, to pray when we're suffering. And number two, he also tells us it's wise to pray when you're happy. It's wise to pray when you're happy. In James 5.13, it says, are you happy? You should sing praises. Now, praise is a form of prayer where we thank God for his goodness and for his characteristics. That's what praise is. It's a form of prayer of just telling God how amazing that he is. And and perhaps the reason that James feels the need to remind the people to pray when they are happy is because when things are going really good and all your ducks are in a line and, and things are going great, we tend to forget God. You know, we think that we've got everything under control, everything's smooth sailing, and all of a sudden, we really have no need for the Lord. If we're honest, I think all of us have probably been guilty of this at some point. You know, it's obvious when tragedy happens in the world, boy, people rush to the church. Right? You know, in, in times of like 9-11 or, or world catastrophes and war, man, people rush to the church. Or even in, in people's personal lives when they're walking through something really hard, man, they're calling on everyone to pray for them. They know who to call that's going to call down heaven for them. Boy, they're focused. They need the Lord. But then as things begin to die down and the chaos goes a little bit back to normal, people began to return to their normal lives apart from God. And that tendency is nothing new. It's nothing new. It's not just this generation. It's been happening for centuries. In the Old Testament, Moses warned the Israelites about forgetting God when they entered the promised land. In Deuteronomy 6, verses 10 and 12, Moses says, Then when the Lord your God brings you into the land he promised your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you, a land with large, flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant, then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful That you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Man, just like Moses reminded the Israelites, I think James wants to remind us, the church today, don't only pray in your hard times. Don't only pray when you're suffering, but also remember God in the good times. Remember God when you're happy. Remember God in the blessings. Bring prayer and praise in the happy times. James 1, 17 says, every good and perfect gift comes from God. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. Well, when you're living in a land that you, just like the Israelites, they're living in this blessed land that they didn't earn, they didn't work for, they didn't fight for it. Well, we are the same. The lives that we have been given Anything that is good, anything that is, is, 
is incredible or positive in your life, it is a gift that came from God. So when we see something beautiful, we should stop and marvel and give thanks. When we walk into work, we should thank God for our jobs. And we should pray and ask God to be honored in our labor. When we get home at night, we should thank God for our family and ask him to help us to lead them and love them well. If you're in the checkout line of the grocery store, we should thank God for providing for our needs. When we begin to acknowledge and praise God in the good and the happy times, when we see these moments as the gifts from God that they actually are, I believe we will get to experience even more of them. Because you see, you will find what you're looking for. Really profound statement, right? You will find what you're looking for. So start looking for the blessings. Start looking for the happy times and you will find them. And when you do, don't forget. When you do, don't forget. It's the God who brought you out. It's every good and perfect gift that comes from God. When you find them, don't forget to praise God. So James says, it's wise to pray, number one, when you're suffering, number two, when you're happy, and then number three this morning, it's wise to pray when we are sick. James 5, 14 and 15 says, are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. The Greek word that's used here for sick um, can be translated two different ways. And and one way that that word sick is translated is a physical disease or an infirmity. But it can also be translated another way. Um, It can also be translated as weak or weakness, as in a person who is spiritually weak. And it's the same Greek word that's used for both of those terms. And, and um, 18 times in the New Testament, that word is translated as sick, like ill or disease. And then 14 times, it's translated as weak, as in a spiritual weakness. So when we're reading the text, which way should we go? Which word should we use in this context? I believe it's fairly safe to say Both, both. If you are sick in body or if you are weak in spirit, call for the elders to pray. All throughout the Bible, we see many people are healed from physical and spiritual problems. But but this verse in James is actually the only place in the Bible where we are told how to seek healing, how to go about seeking healing. And to me, that makes this scripture very important and very instructive to us. But I also think we have to be very careful because I don't think that James had the intention of writing this so that he could give us a formula for healing. I don't think that's what James was trying to do because you see, God doesn't want us to put our faith and trust in a formula. He wants us to trust him. 
He doesn't want us to put our faith or our trust in a formula. If I do A plus B, it equals C. No, no, no. He wants our trust to be in him. Notice here, the first thing that James tells the sick person to do is to call for the elders of the church. And, and the elders, um, just in case you don't know what the elders are, it just basically means the leaders of the church or other mature believers in the church. And so, so the first thing he does is he says for the sick to call the elders to come and pray. And, and when I read that, I see that James is putting the responsibility on the person who is sick, Right? And I think there's a couple of reasons for this. You know, first, the elders may not know about the issue unless they're told and they're called upon, right? I mean, can I tell you, there have been many times in my life and in my ministry where someone has gotten upset with me um, because I didn't check in on them or visit them um, or call them when they were sick, but I didn't even know they were sick, I didn't even know. And, and just a little side bonus note here, uh, posting on Facebook is not an official announcement. <laughs> you know, I mean, as much as I do love social media and I'm on there a lot, uh, you know, you're the elders of the church, your pastors, we don't see everything. We don't see everything that's posted. And so James tells that it's your responsibility to, to let the elders know, call on them so that they can pray for you. Another reason I think James says the sick should initiate the call is because doing so is an act of faith. It is an act of faith. You know, sometimes it's, it's easier to suffer in silence. Sometimes it's, it's kind of natural to not really want to put yourself out there. But there is a measure of faith and humility that is involved in asking someone to help you, in asking someone to pray for you. That takes an act of faith. You know, the next thing that we see in the scripture is that James says for them to anoint you with oil and pray over you. Now, there are a couple of reasons that James may have told them to do this. First of all, oil was a prominent medical treatment during those days, and they used it a lot um, for medicine and for healing. Another thing we know is that oil is often used in scripture as a symbol um, to represent the Holy Spirit and God's presence. How many of you know we need the Holy Spirit and God's presence if we want healing? Amen? Now, I'm going to be honest with you today. As we move into verse 15, this is where it gets a little tricky. This is where it gets a little hard for me to understand and, and maybe for some of you as well. Verse 15, it says this, such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. And, and if we just read this verse and take it at face value, it would appear that God seems to be guaranteeing healing. That, that's what it looks like, but it's troubling for most of us because that's probably not been our experience. We've probably all prayed for someone at some point that didn't get better. Sometimes people pass away. You know, if people were always healed after prayer, Christians wouldn't die. They would never have any of the diseases that plague the rest of the world. And, and we all know that that's just not the case. 
So how do we reconcile this? Like, like, how do we come to terms with this verse? And I think that there are many ways that people approach this scripture. Some people say that the key factor is faith. And their argument is that if you don't have enough faith, then that person won't be healed. If you just had more faith, they wouldn't have died. They wouldn't have got sick. And, and I know that there are a lot of people that hold on to that view, but, but personally... I think that's a bit harsh. To me, that makes my God out to be cruel. That he would allow an innocent child to die because their parents only had a 2.3 on the faith scale and God really needed a a 2.5 in order to heal. Right? Like... Yes, I believe that faith is very important, but, but faith doesn't heal. God heals. God heals. And, and God has a very good track record of doing things in response to minimal mustard-sized faith. So although I think that faith is important and needed for healing to p- take place, I don't think the amount of faith is what determines whether or not a person is healed. I, I, just, I just don't believe that. So maybe another way we could approach this text is to conclude that maybe we just don't understand it all correctly. Like, maybe it's possible that there's more being implied here than what we just first see at a first glance. Let me use another scripture as an example to illustrate what I'm talking about. In Mark 11, 22, 24, Jesus says, have faith in God. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything. And if anything you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. Now, based on what this text says, literally, uh, it would seem that we can have anything we want as long as we believe strongly about it. But is that really what Jesus was promising? Is that really what Jesus was promising? Like, I don't believe that Jesus was telling us that if we have enough faith, we, we can just go around and change the landscape whenever we want. I don't think that that's what Jesus was telling us. No, God isn't into magic tricks or catering to the whims of his people. I think that it seems clear here that what Jesus was saying is that when needed and when appropriate, God will grant any prayer that we truly and faithfully pray. When needed and when appropriate. I think the same thing is true here in James. You see, God, in his sovereignty, he sees things differently than we do. There are times when he decides to heal someone and times when he does not. And we don't know why. Perhaps God is more glorified in the way we handle a sickness or a crisis than if we were to just be taken out of that painful circumstance. 
perhaps God actually makes us well in a deeper way by, by giving us a peace that passes all understanding or a trust that defies explanation. Or maybe God chooses to heal in the ultimate sense. You know, we mistakenly see death as the final defeat of our prayers for healing. But for the believer, is death not the ultimate, final, and perfect healing? To spend eternity with our Savior? Isn't that the greatest healing we could ever experience? You see, God's wisdom is superior to ours, and his definition of well is also superior. His definition of well, of whole, of healed is different. Now let me reiterate and state very clearly because I I don't want anyone to misunderstand me this morning. I believe in biblical healing. I believe it. We see it throughout the New Testament as Jesus and his disciples prayed over people and they were healed. I have seen with my own eyes people be prayed for and healed right in front of me. I have had personal experiences in my own life of of spiritual and emotional healing taking place. And man, in the last couple weeks, our church has seen miracles and healing take place in some of our families. So I believe in healing. We believe in praying for one another for healing. We believe that God can and will heal. We pray with faith. We pray believing that our big God can do miracles. And then, as Jesus instructed us, we pray with open hands and we say, but Father, not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. You see, we bring our requests And we bring our needs and we believe he is going to work. And then we trust how he chooses to do it. We bring our requests. We bring our needs. We believe he is going to work. And then we trust how he chooses to do it. We may not always understand it, but we trust it. We trust it. So today, James has given us some practical wisdom about prayer. He tells us that it's wise to pray, number one, when we are suffering. Number two, when we are happy. And number three, when we are sick. You know, I think it's pretty safe to say that James is on the same page with Paul, who says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, never stop praying. Never stop praying. So the takeaway for the message today is this. In every season, at all times, it is wise to pray. In every season, at all times, it is wise to pray.